I can totally relate to a dad on a Sunday afternoon who, <clears throat> this really happened, he was playing with his young boy and he was getting really, really drowsy and so he just encouraged his young boy to keep playing and he laid on the couch and started to doze when his young boy came up to him and said, Dad, I'm really bored. <laughs> and the dad was going, oh, here. Let's, let's do this. And he went to the table in front of him and where he had laid down his newspaper and was rifling through it and saw this big picture of a globe on one of the pages. He said, let's do this. And then he took the globe and cut it out. And then he ripped it into about 50 tiny pieces. And he said, now I want you to put this back together. It's a puzzle. It's a little game. And uh, I just want to see how you do and he thought, this is going to take at least an hour and a half because he has no idea where these nations are or how this thing works, and let's just see how this works. And they, well, how do I keep it together? Well, let me get you some tape, and got him some tape, and then lay back down on his couch to continue hoping to fall asleep. In just a few minutes, as he's dozing off, the, the little boy says, Dad, I did it. It's finished. Take a look. You've got to be kidding me. How in the world did you do that? And the little boy said, it was easy. But, but how could it be easy? You don't even know where the nations are. Oh, no, 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 I, it was easy. On the backside, there was a person on it. And once I put the person together, the world looked just fine. And that just actually is a wonderful truth. When you put the person together, the world sure looks a whole lot better. And what we're talking about in, in a series that we're starting today, Regen, from the word regeneration. Regeneration makes change possible. And we're going to talk about how change is possible through re regeneration. For four weeks, we're going to talk about this. And today, in particular, we're going to talk about the first step to recovery. And I'm excited about this. Uh, so we're, we're jumping into a new series that I'm really glad you're here for. It's really for everybody to hear and understand uh, just powerful, powerful truths. Regeneration is a word that describes how not only change is possible, but how it is possible where it was impossible before. And to understand what that is all about. I'm going to jump right into it. I'm going to jump right into the text where we find the word regeneration and just build from there and help us to see what we're talking about. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. Pause there. Take that in. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The word regeneration here is a, an amazing word. The more I studied, the more amazed I was and excited to share, and the more I started pondering it, it was just like, oh wow, this just doesn't stop. It just keeps getting better. So I'm just excited to share this with you. So in the Greek, the word is palingesia. Palingenesia. When you have two G's 
gammas in Greek, you have the N sound creep in. Some transliterators will put without the N sound creeping in. It is a compound word, and the compound word is uh, from two words, palin and genesis. Do you see that up there, Genesis? Again, Genesis, palig, some without the N is genesia, genesia, from genesis, got it? See it? Okay. So when you have again Genesis, we're really talking about re-Genesis, which, what is Genesis? It's beginning. It's a generation. So we're really talking about a re-Genesis, a regeneration, Okay. Now, that pretty much is amazing to me, but I want to just talk about how much more amazing it is because it tells the whole Bible story in one word, and I just want to show that to you. So we've got Genesis, which is generation. That's like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis, generating everything. And then by the time we get to Genesis 3, we have degeneration, which is degenesis, ungenesis of everything. It's making it all fall apart, which God created and was beautiful, if you know the Bible story. And then we see the whole plan of God played out as he has planned from the beginning a regenesis or a regeneration for all of us. So there you have it. In one word, the whole Bible story, the entire gospel that we have before us. Amen. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> it's so exciting, this, this idea. Obviously, I'm teasing about closing in prayer. I've got lots of minutes to go. And so let's continue with the thought. Titus 3 five through six, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This concept is very similar to what Jesus told Nicodemus. Remember Nick at night? Yeah. John 3, 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus used different words this time, but to describe the same concept that you cannot enter to the kingdom of God until this regeneration takes place, this regenesis takes place because the whole of all of humanity is in a state of degeneration until this takes place. You must be born again into a regeneration of new life by the Holy Spirit poured out upon you because of Jesus and through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And of course, none of that could be told up front to Nicodemus. He just simply laid it out. You've got to be born again spiritually or you can't get in. And he's going to explain it by his life and explain it by what he does. And he'll have a chance to do this later on. We're all wondering, did he? Did he? We'll know eventually, but I don't know now whether Nicodemus gave his life to Jesus ultimately. So let's do a little bit more with the definition of regeneration. Regeneration is the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit breathing spiritual life into someone who was previously spiritually dead. 
previously in a state of degeneration because that's the state of humanity apart from Jesus. Now, what I just said is profound biblical truth that a lot of people do not believe. Okay? A lot of people do not believe that they're in a state of degeneration, that humans are in a state of degeneration. We're outside of our design, and literally, we're alive physically, but we're spiritually dead, separated from God because of our sin. And because of our sin state that we inherited from the first pair of humans, that the whole fallen humanity, literally, they don't experience the spirit of God within their life, so their spirit is dead and separated from God. And we're doing life on our own without God until we experience regeneration where we suddenly go, whoa, the world is beautiful. This is what life is? You mean life with God? And hope is born because life is restored and we're reconnected to God. Not based on anything we have done, but in accordance with what his mercy, his own mercy and the washing of regeneration that comes through the Holy Spirit whom Jesus poured out upon us because of his act of the cross and resurrection. So that's the definition. It's importance. We can't save ourselves apart from Jesus because apart from Jesus, all of us are in the degeneration state of humanity. Okay? Once we connect with Jesus, we are in the regeneration state of humanity, connected with Jesus, connected with his spirit because of his work of the cross. So we need to get a hold of those concepts. Now, the degeneration state of humanity quickly stated by Paul in Romans 3.23 is this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? Everybody was a degenerate because we were in a state of degeneration, which is the state of humanity apart from God. Now, I started in Titus 3.5. We're going to back up a few verses where Paul, who is writing to Titus, his protege, who is a Greek, not a Jew, and who's writing to him, he says, he includes himself, listen to what he says in Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. We all once were there. And Paul, who was a very religious man, included himself, having been born in the faith of Judaism, living out a works righteous system that didn't work, still identified with everything he just described. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That's a great phrase that describes all kinds of addictions. But let's get to the root of it. Sin is not something we do simply by choosing something that displeases God. Sin has just been described as a power that resides within us. It's not merely a description of a choice. 
Do we believe that? Sin is a power that resides within us because of the fall of humanity. It's not merely a description of a choice that displeases God. It's a choice that comes about because within us is this inner enslaving power. See that there in Titus? Slaves to various passions and pleasures. We have to see it for what it is. And God offers one and only one solution for such degeneration. And that solution is regeneration. Okay? But with that solution, regeneration, comes two major components, major headings, that is only possible for each of us if we have been receive the Spirit of God and the breath of life resurrecting us out of the deadness and separation from God, making our spirits alive by pouring into us His Spirit, two things happen, major things. The first is this, spiritual freedom from that power that resides within us, that enslaves us. Jesus sets us free. He leads us out like this massive exodus. Exodus from the enslaving power, not of Egypt, but the enslaving power of sin itself. And we're set free so that, and this is a second major area that regeneration makes possible, giving us spiritual maturity. Spiritual freedom can take place rather rapidly as one gives themselves to Jesus and Jesus then pours his spirit into us and we are regenerated into a new life and born again. Now, once you're born, you're a spiritual baby, okay? Regeneration also gives us the living power of God to raise us up in spiritual maturity, Here's something that we need to get a hold of. Spiritual maturity takes time and training. It doesn't happen as quickly as spiritual freedom. Okay? There's one other element. If there is still any spiritual bondage in your life where you're still experiencing an enslavement to sin and its passions, you will be halted in your spiritual maturity. Let me say it a different way. If you haven't been growing, chances are pretty good. There's a sin secret, a sin that you're stuck with, a sin that still has got power over you, that you're not living out the freedom that comes from your regeneration, and so you cannot grow. And you haven't been growing. You've hit the ceiling. There's... No growth, there's no sense of, I'm hearing from God, I'm alive with God, it's so real, it's so wonderful, it's so dynamic, it's like, it's not working. Well, you need to go back to the truth of your faith in Jesus and the regeneration that's offered to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, stop trying to sin manage your life. You cannot manage your own sin Only through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, will you find spiritual freedom and spiritual maturity. 
These are huge headings that everyone needs. See why I'm excited about this? So, Regen as a series is four weeks long, but it's just introductory. Regen as a support and training process is going to be something we start, and we're going to actually start taking signups next week, and we're going to start soon to give you the support and training process to be able to live out your spiritual freedom and live out your spiritual maturity and grow in that freedom and experience the chains broken and life set free and spiritual life feeling like it's supposed to feel because it works. So on the screen, if you have hang-ups, hurts, or habits that steal away the thriving life offered to you by God, Regen is for you. Read that slowly. If you have hang-ups, hurts, or habits that steal away the thriving life offered to you by God, Regen is for you. In other words, let's remove that thing that's causing you to stumble, to fail, to be stuck. Let's work on this thing to give you the spiritual freedom that you absolutely need and crave. It all starts with taking the first step. Point number one. Admission is gained by admission. Admission is gained by admission. Jesus begins his kingdom manifesto in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 3. And his kingdom manifesto is Matthews 5, 6, and 7. Remember that. We're not going to read it today. Matthew 5, 3, he begins his kingdom manifesto this way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus talking about? Nobody feels blessed that they're poor in spirit. But he says, if you're poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. So, how blessed is someone who knows he is spiritually needy, is what he's saying. If you don't know you're spiritually needy, you're in trouble. How blessed is someone who knows he is spiritually needy, spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt. If you know this about yourself, you're blessed. Most people don't believe they are spiritually bankrupt, even though they are. Most people in the globe are on this broad road of destruction thinking they're doing pretty well. Jesus says so. Only a few assess themselves correctly according to Jesus' definitions. Many others believe they're so messed up that they're already dis disqualified. They're disqualified from God and his kingdom. And that's why they maintain such distance from God. And they maintain such distance from God's community. Because they're tired of the feeling of rejection that they get from us. And they're tired of the sense they already carry, believing that they're already rejected by God. 
And so they maintain a distance from everything God and everything associated with God and there's actually a growing animosity towards us because of what they feel about how they are already disqualified from everything spiritual. And so then they build their theology into a meology around what they believe about who they are. How sad is that? Because Jesus says precisely the opposite. He flips these false common beliefs. Belief one, I'm good enough for God to let me into heaven. Belief two, I'm not good enough for God to let me into heaven. He flips both of these false beliefs. Jesus saying, those who think they are qualified and are not blessed, but in danger. Why? They don't think they need a savior. Jesus is also saying those who think they do not qualify are blessed. Why? They know they need a savior. This is the first step. Which are you? Do you think you're good enough? Or do you think you're not good enough? If you came to church thinking, I don't belong here, (laughs) I'm not good enough, Jesus says, that's nonsense. Admission that you are not good enough on your own is a prerequisite for entrance into the kingdom. And if you came to church thinking, hey, 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 this is a place for me. I've got this. I'm good enough and you need me. (laughs) Jesus says, that's nonsense. As long as you think you can fix and manage your own life, you are lost. So, point number one, admission is gained by admission. I'm spiritually bankrupt and I need a savior. That's what you have to admit. I'm spiritually bankrupt and I need a savior. Would you say that out loud? I'm spiritually bankrupt and I need a savior. When you think you have spiritual equity to be good enough and that God's got to save you because you're good enough, guess what? You're comparing everything to those people around you. And you feel like you measure a little bit better and that God has to let you in. And God says, that isn't how it works. One sin makes you not good enough for a perfect heaven. Point number two, the cause of my problem is sin. Romans 7, 15, Paul writes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. That's describing the power of sin over a person. I mean, it's no longer a choice. I'm doing the things I don't want to do. They keep doing it. What is the deal with this? And he goes on to describe it even more. I've been there. Have you been there? Romans 7, 17 through 20. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. In other words, you are in bondage to the power of sin. 
You've given yourself over to the sin that at first was just a choice, and now it's mastered you. How this enslaving power works on the screen. Sin promises pleasure, and you take a bite. But then later, you are surprised that sin bites back. You take a drink, but then later, you are surprised that the drink takes you. If you're thinking, oh, okay, but my problem is not that bad. If you're thinking that, ask yourself not how bad you are, but how good you are. If you're not sure how to answer that, read the Kingdom Manifesto with that question in mind. Not thinking how bad am I, but how good am I measured to Jesus' words and Jesus' life. I challenge you, do that this week. How good am I measured to Jesus' words and Jesus' life? Just reading, not the whole Bible, just Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I tell you what, if you try to answer that question after reading those three chapters, you're going to come right back to verse 1, and now it makes sense. That's why he starts where he does. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because that's what it's going to drive you to. I am not good. I am poor in spirit. I need a Savior. It's where he is starting, and he's proving it by what he teaches. But this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom, and you cannot do it on your own effort and strength. It only comes by regeneration with the pouring of the Spirit into your life that you can live this thing out in any measure. And trust me, we're not going to live it out perfectly. No matter how filled we are, while we're filled, we're doing well, but we leak. (laughs) Okay? Admission is gained by admission. I'm spiritually bankrupt and I need a savior. Point number two, the cause of my problem is sin. Point number three, the cure for my problem is God's grace. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Here's a simple question. Let me just read the verse again. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Which do you want? (laughs) Here we go. A or B? A. I want to be opposed by God. (laughs) B. I want God's help. The answer is so obvious, you almost don't need to say it, except for there's another really obvious factor at work in all of our lives. And this is it. We have a resistance to say out loud, I'm messed up and I need help. We have a resistance to admit that we are spiritually bankrupt and put our finger on precisely what the problem is. Do you see the problem? The problem is the problem of pride, and God opposes the proud. And that sin of pride resides in every one of us, and the first step to recovery is to admit, I need a Savior. So I'm going to urge you today to admit that you need God's help. 
It doesn't take me long to know which areas of my life I need his help in. All of them. But some are, I need him a whole lot more than others because they're a mess. Today I'm going to pray, but I'm going to do something different than I usually do. I'm going to ask the prayer team right now to get up and go over to the alcove. And I'm, I'm setting the rest of us up to recognize there's a prayer team where they're going, right over there in the alcove. And if this message has touched you in some way, you, re, you know you need what we're talking about. You need spiritual freedom. You need spiritual maturity because you can identify this hang-up, this hurt, this habit that's got you mastered. This is what I want you to do while I'm praying. I want you to get up out of your seat, walk over to the prayer team, and say, pray for me. I need what Jim's talking about. That's all you got to say. Say whatever else you want to say, but you need prayer. And you need to admit it. And by getting up, walking over, there's the admission. Let's pray. Lord God, pride hides us in darkness, in the grip of the enemy, and many of us here are hiding. We'd rather present the best self we can present, but we need your help. We need your light. We need to admit we need you. May there be a number of people today that are admitting to you right now, God, I want you. I can't seem to get, a, get this thing. I need your help. I need your regeneration. I need your spirit's power. I need the community and the process and everything you talk about. Help me in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.